From a whisper to a roar, our voice has grown in strength and volume. Echoes from our past guide our future as we explore the woman's voice. This morning, I'm going to welcome the gorgeous Maggie Palmer all the way from New York City. She is a <laughs> Queensland girl. We've just discovered that we went to school on the Gold Coast almost together. Yes. I think I'm a little bit older. So welcome, Maggie. Thank you for taking the time. Oh, you're welcome. And a big shout out to any other Queenslanders listening in today. Yes, yes. <laughs> There's many of us sprinkled throughout the world. So yes. I'm sure someone will be listening. Maggie, I love what you're doing. I've had a, a, a great following for Pep Talker for a while now. I wanted you to share with us, how has your voice led you here today with Pep Talker? Oh, what a great question. So, you know, I actually think it's interesting. I think I found the power of my voice quite early. I think I was a little girl. My dad would probably say that because I think I was one of those little kids that early on was the older, but why, but why, but why, <laughs> you know, um, much to his disgust. Uh, and I, I spent most of my, um, my friends always laugh. They're like, it's such a miracle you made your 18th birthday. We thought you'd be grounded because I got in a lot of trouble because I asked a lot of questions. <laughs> So I guess, you know, and it's funny because like, I'm, I'm sort of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the piss a little bit, but I've got great parents, but they were quite strict. But it's funny because I think they, they obviously raised me to have a voice. You know, I, I do think that they raised me to be very strong and confident and opinionated. And so whilst that led to a lot of butting of heads with my dad, for better or worse, I, I do think that that's, you know, why I'm here living in New York today, why I founded Pep Talker and why I'm obsessed with, you know, helping support professional women to know and ask their value. Absolutely. Ask your value. That's a really big thing. It's an easy thing to say, but it's not an easy thing to achieve, is it? No, it's not. And I think, you know, and I don't know if it's something, we'd have to talk to a psychologist about this. I don't know if there's something that happens, you know, when you go from sort of being maybe seven or eight years old to a teenager where for some reason you feel that you need to kind of dim your voice a little bit. I, I just wonder if there's something that happens maybe in adolescence. And then I think honestly, a lot of us carry that into our, into our adult years, you know, and we sort of, um, we, 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 we find, we, we find more fear, I guess, in speaking our truth and asking for our worth and asking for what we want. And, you know, it's interesting, um, Lisa, we, we have about 60,000 women globally in the pep talker community. And, you know, a lot of them say to me, I know I'm underpaid. I know I'm worth more, but I'd actually rather cop that than have the conversation because there's a lot of fear of what will happen if I have this conversation, what will happen if I use my voice to advocate to my, for myself. And mm. I think that's really interesting mm. to unpack. It's an interesting question, isn't it? What will actually happen? What are we actually scared of? Are we scared of mm. something physical? Are we scared of something emotional um, that mm. the world's going to blow up? What To identify that, I think you're right, that we, we really need to get a psychiatrist in on the game mm. to mm. work out, I think, what happens in that cognitive development. So mm. what was the driving force for, that helped you connect to your voice, do you think? Um, what was the one driving voice? Oh, you know, it's such a good question. And I think, look, I think the first thing is, I think I was blessed with it, with a great family, very supportive family where 
I was encouraged to use my voice from a young age. You know, I, I, I was I was encouraged to speak at the dinner table, and you know, my grandparents would would talk to me, and you know, I would do the school play, and I would sing, even though I was terrible and drama. <laughs> and so, so in a physical sense, like physically using my voice and physically yeah. putting myself out there, mm-hmm. you know, which honestly I think is part of the battle, right? Like I did a lot of public speaking and all that kind of stuff. So then, I guess my fear in that respect and in those realms was maybe less than other people who, you know, we we hear that idea, right? That some people fear public speaking more than death itself. I've never had that. Mm. Um, I've I've never had that, but it is, it's funny. I like to think of these things as like a muscle. So, you know, like the analogy of like, if I wanted to get massive biceps, Lisa, like I'd go (laughs) to the gym and I'd lift weights every day, you know, haven't been a lot of weightlifting during COVID for me, but let's leave that to one side. (laughs) If, if there had been, if I'd been doing weight since COVID, I'd have these decent sized muscles and every day they'd get bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, for me, it's kind of the same thing when you think about having confidence, using your voice and, and speaking your truth and, and speaking your value and requesting your value in a, in a professional sense, it's like a muscle. And if I said to the people listening today, go into your boss in the next five minutes and ask them for a 10% pay raise, probably half your audience would pass out from fear and anxiety, right? Yeah. But what I will say to all of your listeners today instead is next time you're at the supermarket, and you're probably still going to hate me for asking you to do this little challenge, but next time you're at the supermarket, I want you to grab your favourite candy bar or your chocolate, whatever it is. I like lint personally. (laughs) Go up to the counter and I want you to say to the checkout, person. Hi, um, just wanted to grab this chocolate. Would you be okay if I got a discount today? So right. you're using your voice, you're going to ask for a discount and then you're going to see what happens. Because yeah. what do you think is going to happen, Lisa? Well, they're probably going to say no in a supermarket, <laughs> yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. That that's going to be yeah. the first initial. Yeah. Uh, if it was close to being out of date, I think there's a negotiation power there that you can, you, you've got more leverage. Certainly for myself, if I saw that it was close to the due date, I would be more inclined to think that I was going to get a, um, the outcome that I wanted. But maybe, maybe someone would say yes. They're certainly not going to uh, call the police on you. Exactly. And like, do we think that the world's going to stop spinning? Like if you ask and if they say no, like you're going to feel super awkward. You're going to feel so awkward because you probably don't do this every day, right? But it's really powerful because then you're going to walk out. You're either going to buy it or you're not. You can put it back or you can spend the five bucks and buy it, whatever you want to do. And then you're going to leave the supermarket and nine times out of 10 chances, you're probably not going to see that person again, right? Yeah, you're probably not going to see them again. Um, You'll be quite exhilarated and a bit like overwhelmed. But guess what? Like nothing will have changed. Nothing will have changed in your life. Nothing will have changed in their life, right? You you may or may not have got a discount. We had someone in our career level up course who did this recently and they actually, the um, salesperson said to them, well, listen, no, but we do have a pensioner discount and I'm happy to offer you that. So there you go. Sometimes, right. sometimes it does work, but, but it's not really about the discount. It's, it's about using your voice in a situation where really it's low stakes, it's low consequence, yeah. right? Because I want you to start to stretch that muscle and use your voice 
to ask the question in a safe space, in a space Absolutely. where, do you know, because then that way, like, and, and this is, this is kind of, it's, it's a habit, right. That I want you to mm. start to get into. And equally, if you're at David Jones, go ahead, ask for a discount. If you're at Target, why not see what happens? Because well, listen, even if it's not just a discount, yeah. even if it's just, can you tell me where something is? I mean, it can get to that level where people just won't ask for any help whatsoever. Yeah. So I love, yeah. I love what you're doing in yeah. really desensitizing them to the the practice of physically experiencing the vibration of asking that question, understanding that just because you've got that sense of nervousness doesn't mean that that's a bad thing. Uh, I think totally. that that's, a, that's a great practice. And that it reminds me of something that I did throughout my journey of mm-hmm. finding my voice. And I went and studied uh, the, the horse whisperer, Monty Roberts. And his philosophy, yeah, his philosophy is about 1%. It's fantastic philosophy. And improving 1%. And so I I practiced it with the horses and and you get them to a point where you make them make the decision without beating them or traumatizing them. You put a tiny little bit of pressure on them and let them lean in to you so that they've improved 1%. And as soon as they've improved 1%, you reward them. And if you do this every day, of course, over 30 days, you've got 30% um, uh, increase. But what I find is with my studio here is that people, if you say go to the shops and I just want you to walk through the door and walk back out again, that's 1%. So I hear that's what you're doing. That's, I think that that's fantastic. Totally. And and it's, you know, it's funny, I've got two nephews and one of them's about six or seven now. And I, when we go to Woolworths, um, I make, and, you know, we go in and I don't know what we're getting, some popcorn or whatever. And I'll make him, you know, I know where it is, but I always make him, I say, you go and ask the man or the woman, where's the popcorn? And he goes, no, 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 you ask. And I said to him, no, no, you ask, where's the popcorn, please? And then same thing at checkout. I always say to him, off you go, Bob. You you give the lady the money and say how much change, please. And it's and it's funny because, you know, I've never really put the language around it, Lisa, until you just explained that 1%. Like I'm trying to teach him, <coughs> excuse me, I'm trying to teach him that his voice is valid and worthy and he can use it, you know, and he can be polite. Mm-hmm. And just even from that young age, just teaching him it's okay to ask. It's okay to approach someone you've never met and ask, you know, where is someone, in, where is something in a, in, a, in a grocery store where it's a, you know, relatively safe environment? So, yeah, that 1%, it's, um, that's a really powerful message, isn't it? And, and when, when the muscle gets a bit stronger, you know, whether you've walked into the store and walked out, whether you've asked the question or not, even little things like, you know, ringing a phone company or a credit card company and saying, hey, listen, I noticed you've charged me a credit card interest fee here. Would you be open to refunding that for me, please? Mm. Or, hey, Telstra, I've been with you for five years. Could you do me a better deal on my phone plan? Because you know what? Nine times out of ten, my students get a positive response to this. One lady the other day, she got a $600 fee refunded. Another lady, I think she got like 20 or 30 bucks a month off her plan, mm. which you know, it's not going to buy you a house overnight, but that's three, 400 bucks over a year, right? Just for using your voice and asking. And don't you think too, you know, I think you said earlier that it doesn't change anything, but, but it actually does because it's every time you do this, I think of that song, um, it's just another brick in the wall. 
<laughs> you're you're building yeah. that foundation every single time you ask that question, that confidence level is growing and growing and growing. Completely, completely. And it's, you know, and you sort of sit here and you listen to it and you think, oh, you know, one phone call, it doesn't, does that matter? One question at a, at a supermarket. I mean, really, but it comes back to your point of the 1%. And, it, and mm. the thing is, you know, our brains are listening. Our mm. brains are listening to how we treat it. Our brains are listening to what we say. And if we say to our brain, it's okay to step out of our comfort zone. It's okay to try my voice here. It's okay to waver and try anyway. It's okay to walk into the store and walk out because I'm too scared. That's okay. Because yeah. at some point you'll be able to stay in the store and you'll be able to ask the question. It might not be tomorrow. It mm. might be next week. It may be next quarter. I don't know. It's going to be a different journey for everyone. But um, Well, sometimes even you don't realise it and you walk away and you go, oh, my goodness, I, once upon a time I would never have done that. Correct. I've, I've Correct. definitely grown. So that realisation. Yeah. So you, you're obviously fired up and you've, you're really helping people find their voice. What was the thing that, that moment that you went, I've got to do this. I've got to go out and help others find their voice with Pep Talker. <laughs> You know, Lisa, I think honestly it came from frustration. I was really annoyed. I was really pissed off, frankly. Um, I had an experience. I used to be a journalist and a phone correspondent and I had an experience in my career where I was treated very different, differently to some of my colleagues in terms of pay and conditions. And um, when I realised, I raised the question um, and the answer didn't really fit with my idea of equality and fairness. And so I wanted to do something about it. And so I didn't want to be a complainer. Uh, so I figured I'd better, you know, just try and fix things somehow. And unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to fix the gender pay gap globally overnight. But, you know, Lisa, we're, we're doing our bit, you know, day by day, what, what we can. Yeah. Absolutely. 1% every day. You're going to make a big difference, honey. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess on average, the, the gender pay gap's around 20%. So I guess, listen, if it was 1% a day, we'd be good. That would be amazing. In 20 days, so, yeah. save the planet. <laughs> it's probably more ambitious would be 1% a year. That'd be, I'd be happy with that. But I think awesome. even that, to be honest, is unlikely, but let's give it a red hot go. <laughs> Have you ever been afraid to speak your truth? Oh, my goodness, of course. Yeah, I have. Um, you know, back back when I was a journalist speaking truth to power, I used to get um, butterflies in my stomach when I was at the National Press Club asking questions. I remember I had to ask um, Peter Costello a fairly hectic question one day and it was, you know, one of those things that was broadcast live on the ABC and I had to ask him a question about a regret that he, I can't remember the specifics, but it was something about does he regret something? And he gave me a one word answer, which, which was a terrible answer, but it also meant that the question had hit a nerve, which I guess in some ways <laughs> meant that it was a great question. My boss was very happy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, of course I feel, I, I do, I used to feel, you know, certain questions I'd feel sick about, you know, certain clergy that I had to interview over the years. I was in Syria once interviewing Bashar al-Assad. I felt very ill before that interview wow. asking really tough questions and frankly being on on the turf of a of a world leader who I was kind of scared of um 
how would he feel when when my team and I ask certain questions? Definitely. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, my, I, I, I'd love to say that I always got it right, and I think I didn't always get it right. And there's always room for improvement, of course. But I do think that, like, if you can't if you can't ask the hard questions, if you can't use your voice in those tough moments, really, what's the point? You know, like it's very easy to say to someone, oh, how are you? Like it's kind of a bland, you know, question. Mm. But to ask to ask something like to say, hey, I know you had a miscarriage um, a few months ago. How are you really doing? Like that must be really mm. tough. Like to ask very poignant questions and deeper questions, that's tough, you know, and that's those are the conversations that I'm more interested in having these days with my, my friends and family. And then from a professional perspective, yeah, like, you know, asking, um, asking celebrities and asking, you know, very, um, impressive global advocates to take a meeting with me, to talk about the pay gap, to advocate for the pep talker app, to help us, um, you know, advocate for change at a policy level. Sometimes I feel nervous sending those emails or making those calls. And I think I'd feel worse though, if I didn't ask, if I didn't use my voice and if I chose to be silent, because I do think like, I feel like we all have an obligation if we've been given a voice and we have an opportunity, then I, I do feel quite obliged to use it. I think that's um, a really, really great point. There's a book called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. And yes. I do think the journey of finding your voice, you go through different levels of, of fear and eventually you yeah. Don't you agree that you that you gradually, you know, once upon a time a conversation that I had with someone wouldn't bother me today, but if I was going to go and talk to a leader of another country, I, I of course I would be be nervous. I think it's important for the listeners to understand that you're always going to have some level of fear, particularly when you go into mm. new circumstances. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and there's a lot of, there's been examples in history of very famous politicians throughout literally centuries who had stutters or who had anxiety Mm. about speaking and performing and they found their voice because they found a cause, right? And they found a deeper meaning or they so believed in, in a war or in a piece of social policy or in change that had to happen that they found that voice, Mm. you know, and I, and I think if, if any, anyone's you know listening today to the great work that you do Lisa I think it's like if you're wondering like how can I how can I grow in confidence of using my voice I would say like maybe do some internal digging of like what what would you be willing to find your voice for like what is it that really annoys you or really delights you like it can be either end of the spectrum for me the gender pay gap and pep talker because it came about because I was really annoyed but at the same time, I love cooking and I love pasta. And so that's something that I really love, that I'm happy to talk to anyone in Italian and speak about my experience on exchange. So, like, mm. what, what what is either end of the spectrum for you in terms of frustration or joy? And can that help you find your voice? And, and practice in a safe space, right, with friends and family yeah. and, and then you'll get more comfortable. 
Absolutely. Can we can we take a little deep dive? You just touched on something that made me want to ask you, and I and I love going woo woo hippie. So I hope you'll go there with me. Um, I don't know if you are a woo woo hippie with with me, but what do you do in your daily routine to stay connected to your to your truth? Yeah, it's funny. So I always say to people like, I'm not that woo woo. Mm. But I will say since leaving a, a normal, in inverted commas, career and starting my own business, I've become more woo-woo. I don't know, on a spectrum, I'm probably somewhere between a 10 and 20% Lisa maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I've got elements of it. I'm still quite a rational, for, for better or worse. But so one thing that helped me, and I've got a very woo-woo coach who's fabulous. Um, <laughs> she kind of is trying to drag so you're influenced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Her name's Mary. Jensen, she's great. And she's really, um, you know, I've been working with her for oh, maybe two years now. And the biggest thing that she influenced me on was gratitude, which isn't yeah. even really super woo-woo. It's not like crystals. I, I don't go that far, Lisa. I'll draw the line somewhere. <laughs> but, um, but I am into gratitude. And, and my thing, and it's funny, I'm, I'm doing a big launch at the moment. We run... Um, we run a free five-day challenge um, for people who want to know their worth. And so I guess in some ways that's about using your voice to know your worth. So if any of your listeners are keen, you should definitely sign up because it's free, peptalkher.com forward slash challenge. But we're launching that at the moment and so I've been a bit... um, Nervous is probably the wrong word. Just like there's a lot on my to-do list. Like I think we're, mm-hmm. we've got, yeah, I don't even know, there's probably 80 emails going out over the next 10 days to different audiences and different people. It's just a lot. And so this morning I actually spent quite a few hours just trying to centre on like how do I want to walk into today? It's Monday. It's a new week. Like how do I, what mindset do I want to take into this week? And I've got a lot on and I'm stressed but like, putting that to one side, how do I want to show up for people? How do I want to serve? Like I want to, I know this will have value, that this will create impact. And that's the mindset that I want to come at this week with. And I, I literally spent a few hours on it this morning, which I guess that is a bit weird. I wasn't doing any work, but I was kind of doing mind work of just like, what am well, I Sometimes grateful I think for? If, you're su- if you're successful, yeah. you naturally do that. You know, you talk to su- successful people and they have a, a, measure that they go through in their daily routines. So I think that um, you don't necessarily have to have crystals and sage and wear saffron ropes, um, but you you can, <laughs> you can be living that life in a way anyway without, mm. without um, realising it. I'm going to ask mm. you this question. Mm. Do you like the sound of your own voice? Um, I don't listen to it a lot. I have to be honest. So, so I, I was an on-air reporter for, I don't know, like 12 or 13 years. I hated watching back my own news stories. I hated watching my, when I used to work at SBS Dateline making docos, I hated watching the edits and the rough cuts. And, you know, you'd go through 60, 70 edits to get one half hour film out. I hated it. Um, so I guess I don't hate the sound of my voice. I don't love it either. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess I want to be more gracious with myself these days. When I was younger, I really hated it. And it's mm-hmm. funny, Lisa, because, you know, my, my first career was in journalism. And as I said, like when I was a child, I did do a lot of, you know, acting and speech and drama and whatnot. But then I actually did work with a voice coach, believe it or not, in Brisbane. Yes. Um, 
years ago, one of my lecturers at QUT suggested I, I just I love the practical side of radio and TV because you got to leave the office and meet people and go on the road. And I just became obsessed with it. And my lecturer was like, well, if you want to be serious about this, you should um you're good, but you could be better. And he was like, you should really invest in a voice coach. And I was like a poor student um, yeah. working 10 hours a week at a sushi shop. And I think <laughs> Ma, I think I said to mum, oh, this lecturer said this thing, but I can't afford it. And she was like, well, why don't I go you halves? And I don't know, it was like 40 bucks an hour or something mm. once a week, which was quite a lot um, for me in 2000 or 2001, whenever it was. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I'm pretty sure mum went halves with me. Mum and dad went halves with me with my $40 a week session with this voice coach who kind of talks to me about timber and pause and there's been some research done, which Lisa, you'd know more about than I do, but it's something to do with women in particular. They're taken more seriously. Like if I was to talk to you and say, hi, Lisa, how are you? What's going on? Like, how, what'd you have for dinner? Yep. As opposed to if I said, Lisa, how are you? You know, like yep. apparently my credibility goes up when there's that deeper tone. Um, and so I probably, I probably, it's funny, but back when I started being a journalist, it was very much like Maggie Palmer, 10 news, like very serious. (laughs) Um, and and now it's, you know, the style is a little more casual now. And of course I'm going to still be, you know, professional, but it's a bit more colloquial these days, I think style wise. So it's funny. Like if I looked at my very first news stories, they'd be very different to my voice now, I'm sure. Um, but so I that's think a long that, end of the answer. Yeah, I think that it's changed. And I was just doing some research yesterday and COVID particularly has made people want to have, you know, the girl next door conversation rather than that very authoritative, educated tone because it's much more tangible. It's much more um, realistic, I think, is huh. probably the word. So people are looking for that. And I think just listening to you, you know, this is the first time I've had a conversation with you and that vibrant joie de vivre that's in the voice and that very natural tone and timing um, beams through than if you were trying to articulate very consciously about what you were saying. It's gone. It's it's passe and no one wants to really, we can't connect to that anymore. Although we don't want to have the voice up here. There's, there's There's a happy medium. And it's funny, isn't it? Like, I guess, you know, you talk about, you know, like fashion in terms of the clothes we wear and hair, fashion and style mm. and makeup. And it almost, like, I think, you know, it's almost like there's a there's a voice style, certainly in broadcast and documentaries and news, the world that I'm from. I do think that that's shifted. And then actually it's a really good point you make about Zoom. A lot of the work that we've, we do is with um, Fortune 500 companies and we host, I host a lot of um, webinars and virtual masterclasses and stuff for, you know, Salesforce and uh, Microsoft and Revlon and brands like that. And it's funny because, you know, the ones that do well, sometimes I'll have an internal person host it. Um, sometimes they're great, but the best ones are the ones where it's like you're at a barbecue and you're just chatting as opposed to the ones who are like, hello, welcome to company ABC. Today we are talking about XYZ topic. Like that doesn't really work, mm. I don't think. Um, mm. It's To your point, that more casual 
it, it connects people more. If people yeah. feel like they can be on your level and they know who you are, I think they are more likely to want to listen to you and hear what you say. So that's a really good point. It's something that I wanted to ask and we're gonna, I'm going to take you down the rabbit hole here because one of the conversations that I have a lot and I've spoken about this on other podcasts is the conversation mm-hmm. around the corporate table mm-hmm. where a woman will casually put something on the table, an idea, it doesn't get heard, it doesn't land. Yeah. And then Tommy comes in next week and has repurposed the idea and delivers mm. it and, of course, it gets heard. So in one respect we're saying, you know, ladies, be yourselves and be casual and be able to connect, but those that that approach at that corporate table isn't working and it's causing a lot of frustration. Can we mm-hmm. talk about that? What's your opinion on that? What's causing that, et cetera? Yeah, so I think there's a great example, especially for any of your Australian listeners, um, Julie Bishop, who was obviously in politics for a really long time. She, I was at a lunch. She hosted a lunch here in New York City on International Women's Day about two or three years ago. Um, and I, she kindly invited me to come along and we were, we were chatting and, you know, she said something really interesting. She talked about being at the cabinet table with, um, just her and same thing. She, she explicitly talked about putting out an idea, basically being ignored. And then, you know, 10 minutes, 10 hours later, the same idea being tabled by someone else and everyone go, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Mm. And then she said it was very different when there was another woman in cabinet and very different again, when there were three women women in cabinet. Mm. So what the research says to us, and by the way, it's not just women, it's people of color, people living with a disability. You know, this is for anyone who's underrepresented, um, which typically is anyone who's not um, a white, doesn't identify as a white male. Sometimes people from the LGBTQA community feel this as well. They, they don't feel, um, and a lot of your listeners would have experienced that. We don't always feel heard. Um, And we certainly don't feel validated in our ideas. So the first thing that's important is to prepare, right? So if you know you're walking into a corporate um, board table and you know that there's going to be 10 blokes in you, then you've got to have a strategy. And that's not a situation where I would suggest you walk in and use your barbecue style voice and tone (laughs) and language necessarily, right? You may do to start with, but the power of voice is also that, you know, you can also pause, change your timber and say, I'd like to table something very important. This Mm. is the idea that I have that I believe is going to change the trajectory of the business. Would you like me to tell you about it? So you can actually plan for those conversations, you know, and you don't always know what that boardroom is going to look like, but often you do, right? And so I think, um, yes, I think that the best way to communicate these days is with a more casualized tone of voice. However, if I'm going in to negotiate a huge six-figure contract with one of my big, you know, listed companies, I'm going to use a voice that signifies that this is a significant conversation, right? And that this is a serious conversation. So I actually use my voice, my tone, um, my volume um, to sig- signify uh, the importance of what we're discussing. So that, that's the first thing. And then, you know, the most important thing is if you can, and this is important for for leaders and for managers to have teams and to curate boardrooms where there's diversity, 
because yeah. you actually want those ideas. You don't want the women not to be heard. You don't want the people of colour sitting at that table to have their ideas ignored. You don't want that. And yeah. you don't want that because it's firstly the right thing to do. But secondly, if you're a capitalist, there's a profit imperative, mm-hmm. right? And so we know that when there's women on the C-suite, in the suites, it, we know that when there's women in the C-suite, that net profit goes up. Yeah. And so if you've got those women in the C-suite but you're not listening to their ideas, you're actually negatively impacting your profit outcomes, which mm-hmm. doesn't really serve anyone. So ideally there would be diversity in those boardrooms in the first place mm-hmm. if you know that you're walking into a situation where that's not the case. Um, depending on the situation, you may also want to bring an advocate with you. And that's why we see, you know, a lot of um, famous anchors, newsreaders, celebrities, they have agents who help advocate for them, who mm. are able to use a different type of voice, mm. you know, a different type of behaviour. Mm. And so it's funny when I think about pep talker and our impact, so you know, what we really try and teach and train our community in is how can, how can we teach you the skills that you need so that you can behave as your own agent, right? Like I want people to be able to behave like an agent for themselves using their voice and asking the right questions. Maggie, you've just evoked this whole uh, vision for me, which I think is is probably something that you do very well is you evoke um, ideas in people. And when you were talking, I when I teach, <clears throat> talk about those three layers to the voice, which is the top, the middle and the bottom. Mm-hmm. And quite often women get stuck in the top layer, which mm. doesn't have that beautiful stereo sound. And you mm. evoked this picture of a symphony, you know, a, a woman at the table is bringing mm. or introducing a mm. new theme or a new or a new instrument perhaps that, that the table or the orchestra is not used to. So it would be interesting for women to think about it on that level that you go into onto that table, you need to have a sense of harmony in yourself and getting connected to those three layers. And the best way to get connected to those three layers is probably go into that room in a great state. So full of life, full of energy, have had really great conversations leading into it because then I think you're going to do what you've just done. You're going to uh, deliver that idea with a sense of connectedness. Does that make mm. sense? No, it does. And I just love the analogy. You just the picture you've just painted there of this of the of the orchestra and the harmony. And I think, you know, when we think about using our voice and asking for more in a, in the concept of a pay raise, a promotion, you know, flexibility that you want at work, which is a lot of the work that we do around women and career. When you think about that. Sometimes we default to adversarial, like winners and losers, and like it's a fight with my boss or it's a fight at the corporate table. And and actually, I, I love what you say. We, we really just need to take a step back. It's, it's For me, it's about a reframe. And, and I always teach, yeah. one of the things we teach is that negotiation is not conflict, right? Mm-hmm. Negotiation is two parties or sometimes three, four, whatever, several parties, and they just want to find a middle ground. Or they just want to find a compromise, right? Like if if you're being offered a job, they want you, right? Like you are bringing value and and Mm -hmm. there is value for you joining the team. 
Mm. At the same time, you want something, right? You want to be able to pay your mortgage. You want to be able to maybe buy a new car and you'd like to go on holidays once a year. So each party has something that they want. And so it's not about like screwing each other over. It's about how can we think creatively about this so that actually I get what I want and the other party gets what they want too. Now, sometimes there's a level of compromise or, and I always think about the creative thinking, right? Like sometimes um, companies don't have the money to pay you exactly what you want. And so then to me, it's up to you to then creatively think about that. And one of the things that um, we often talk about at Pep Talker is, you know, would they be open to a four-day week? Because Mm -hmm. for me, anyway, I value work-life balance, my team only works a four-day week. That works for us. Um, everyone gets a long weekend every week. That's pretty cool. So then if, if that's something that's important to you, you might actually value that over and above earning an extra 15 20%. You know, but you, you cannot assume that the, the, the employer or the person on the other side of the table will do that creative gymnastics for you. You've got to come to the table prepared, having thought through different scenarios so that wherever the conversation goes, your voice is ready to kind of pivot with it, you know, and that comes back to your point about the harmony. Mm. Um, And then if we think about the voice in a very um, literal sense, one of the things that I always do, um, and and some of your listeners may have heard about power posing. Yes. Which was, yeah, a a term and and I guess a behaviour coined by Amy Cuddy, right? And so it's this idea of like physically making your body big and increasing the cortisol and the testosterone in your body so that you are perceived differently you know and I that's also always, going to change yeah. that muscle that muscle around the mm. throat too that you know right. I always say to my clients your voice will go wherever you want it to go but you've got to give it the direction so by creating that power pose doesn't necessarily mean you're going to create a a voice that's not authentically you it just means you're going to have enough mm-hmm. of those adrenals you're going to have mm-hmm. enough breath mm-hmm. breath being yeah. vehicle you go it's going to give you that impetus and that confidence yeah. to get across but i love what you said about you know don't go to the table with a problem without yes. having two or three different yeah. solutions and totally. ideas, um, creative ideas. And I do find that uh, women in the corporate world tend to shut down that creative side to their to their um, processing. And that's one of the strategies that I use is to get them to reconnect with their, with their creative sides, you know, by small incremental totally. steps. What do you do to get them to create, tap back into that? Yeah. And listen, one of the best things I think is music. So that like is full body experience for me. So I always listen to Taylor Swift's The Man. I love that song. It gets me (laughs) pumped up. I always listen to that before a big presentation because it totally changes the composition of my body. It changes the energy I get in a good mindset. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and I encourage if they've played music when they were younger and they loved it, go back and play the piano again or go back and, you know, pick up that guitar or or some one of my clients loved jewelry. She loved making jewelry. So go back and yeah. do that. And and the things that changed at that table, that that C-suite table, because she went back and started making in the, on the side her jewelry was phenomenal just because she was in a better space. 
Yes, and I love that. And I think that's really interesting, that idea of tapping into the idea of play um, yes. and thinking about what did you love as a kid or, you know, maybe you maybe you love classical music but your partner doesn't so you never listen to it or maybe you love Britney Spears but everyone else thinks that's a bit girly so you don't listen to it. Whereas I would just say like for those moments where you need to feel confident and you need your voice to land in a way that feels true to you, get into that headspace so that you can give your brain and your mind um, the best opportunity to direct the conversation and use your voice the way you need it to go. Yeah, absolutely. Maggie, many people, women across the globe suffer from the imposter syndrome. And I know that you talk about this with Pep Talker. Where do you think this comes from? Where does it start? Yeah, so the idea of um, this concept of imposter syndrome, it was researched back in the 60s and 70s, um, and it's really interesting. It's this idea, and around around 70% of the population experience it. And so some of you may have ever felt, I don't know if you've ever felt, you know, like you were just lucky or maybe you feel like you're a bit of a fraud or maybe you kind of feel like the job police are going to come and knock on your door at any point. Yes. Um, If anyone's virtually nodding away, yeah. (laughs) Um, If that resonates, um, you're not alone. That's the good news. Um, And then the second thing to say to that is, is that, yeah, it's, it's, it's a concept that has kind of, they've coined this phrase called imposter syndrome, right? And so, the feeling like at any moment you'll be found out and the feeling that you're not actually able to internalise your successes very much, that you actually focus on the failures more so than, say, the successes. Mm. And so if you think about it as like a seesaw with, you know, like um, one of those things that you'd see in a playground, like failures on one side and successes on the other side, Often when you're going through imposter syndrome, the failures will seem really heavy and will tip that seesaw so that you kind of can't get away from the failures. And you actually forget about all the successes that are sitting there as well. And so one of the most important things, you know, you can do is to focus on those successes. Because if we come back to that analogy we discussed earlier about trying to get a big bicep and equally trying to get a really strong mindset, we want to focus on the successes. And so honestly, like, it's that kind of concept and the idea of the nudge theory, which which basically says if we if we it's kind of like your one percent thing, right? If we mm. shift behavior just a little itty bitty bit every day, repeatedly, or every week, or every month, over time that actually adds up to a lot. And so that's that's exactly why we built the Pet Talker app, to be honest. And that's kind of the framework that sort of underpins the psychology behind it. And so what it does is it basically sends you a, a, a notification once or twice a week and it'll be like, Lisa, what's up? What are you really proud of this week? What have you done at work that you want to remember at performance review time? Um, oh, you know, well I did done, of- Maggie. That's fantastic. I didn't know about <laughs> the app. Yeah, well, that's, and that's, and it's, you know, the part it's, it's, you know, my, my cousins are creative at a big ad agency. And he said to me, he's like, basically you're trying to remind people that they're awesome. And mm. I was like, yeah, that's actually, that actually is what we're trying to do. Ben, we're, we're trying to remind you that you're awesome. And it kind of seems a bit naff. Um, and like, oh, I don't really need that, but it's a couple of things. If you're going through imposter syndrome, like I do a lot, you 100% need that. Yes. And when you're having a bad day, you can then look at the app and go, do you know what? Today really sucked. 
But actually last week for International Women's Day, I did that interview on Bloomberg and I hosted yes. an event with 200 people. That was kind of cool. Or I've been asked you know, to do this. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and being confident enough to actually to actually say that, you know, women don't, yeah. cele- women don't celebrate right. the fact that they, they've knocked something out of the park or, you know, it was my 49th birthday last week and I went, heck yeah, I'm 49. I'm still alive. You know, being able to Good say those you. things. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also about, you know, if we talk about walking into the boardroom or walking on stage or walking into a media interview, whatever the scenario is where you're using your voice, again, sometimes our mind wanders towards those failures. And what I do and what a lot of the users of the app do instead is bring up the app. And they're like, I had 37 wins in the last couple of months. Let me just ha- take a quick little look at the photos or the text that, they, that they've written into the app so that I can kind of prompt them to mm. focus on the positives. And equally, if you're going in for a negotiation or a performance review with your boss, you then have those data points. Instead of trying to recall what did you do the last 10 or 11 months of the year, because I don't know about you, Lisa, like I don't know what I had for dinner on Tuesday, let alone <laughs> what I did nine months ago, right? And yeah. so the concept is like, let's Let's keep that stuff front of mind now so that when you have that performance review in six months, eight months, 10 months time, you've got all those data points there to advocate and negotiate for yourself. Mm, that's fantastic. I'm, I'm going, I'm going to check out the app. Please do. It's free. It's free to download. It's on Apple and Android. We're about impact. So we want as many people using it for free to just, you know, help make that impact. <laughs> I was going to ask you this next question, but I think if we can answer it by getting the app. What is the the one piece of advice you would give your listeners to reconnect to their voice today? Um, yeah, I mean, for sure. Like you can, you can download the app, the Pep Talk Her app. It's free. If you want to boost, you can, you can jump on, um, peptalkher.com slash challenge and join our free five day know your worth challenge. Um, if you're on Instagram, just send me a DM and let me know when you're using your voice next. And I'll have you to happy to send you a, a pep talk via DM on Insta. Um, but I think just knowing that, you know, everyone has their voice. Everyone's voice is different and that's actually okay. And that's, that's, the, that's the glory of you is, is the difference because your voice is very different to mine and that's a good thing. It's not, it's not yeah, yeah, we don't want to be the same. Yeah. When you, walk on, when you walk on stage, I know that you do a lot of speaking. How do you want your people to feel when you leave that stage? And, you know, I think about this a lot and it's, and you probably know all about this data as well, Lisa, that what you actually say is less important than the way you say things. Mm-hmm. So your body, your, your persona, your facial expressions, your, your depth of voice, the, um, the pause that you use, what you're wearing, that is so much more important <laughs> than the speech itself, a which million, is kind of million, annoying. A million percent. And it's kind of annoying, right? Because we spend hours and months crafting the perfect word at the perfect time. But then actually, and that I think about that a lot. Like, how do I want to make people feel? And we think at Peptalker, like my entire team knows, like everyone who interacts with us, whether they like um, a post on our Instagram page, whether they send me a DM on LinkedIn, whether they turn up to our, our free daily pep talks in the challenge, it doesn't matter what, if they send us an email, a, a support email with the app, like everyone should, mm. should leave that experience feeling better 
about themselves, about the world, whatever it is, than when they walked into that interaction. Like we want to, I want to leave people feeling better and feeling excited and feeling reminded that they're awesome and feeling reminded that they've got a lot of value to add and that they absolutely are within their rights to, to advocate for their worth. Well, so I, can, I can yeah. absolutely say that you <laughs> do do that in spades. You have oh, showered so us this in this <laughs> podcast with an enormous amount of energy. And I think that that, you know, there's certainly been golden nuggets of information that I know the listeners are going to take away. But the biggest thing is that you've made us feel safe and we want to come and have a coffee with you. And we just, and I think the ultimate compliment is that someone wants to sit in your lounge room and just chat. And I think that that's what you've made us feel today. So I'm so, so grateful for you. Oh, well, that. it's been a pleasure. And I'm just, what, what a delightful frame to discuss the world through, through the power of your voice. I love it. I love the work that you're doing. Thank you for the impact that you're making. Oh, thank you, darling. And look, before you go, what's next for you to reach your fullest potential with Pep Talker? What can, what can our listeners tap into? Listen, just connect online. You know, Instagram's a good place to meet us. If you want to jump on our mailing list, you can jump to peptalkher.com. We do heaps of free stuff. We have amazing people who share their wisdom with our community. You can download the app, but um, yeah, our mission is around around closing the gender pay gap and um, helping companies get to 50-50 men and women in leadership. So that's, that's what we're committed to doing. Um, so if we can help you as an individual, you as a company, please reach out. And, um, I'd love to, I'd love to connect on, on LinkedIn and all of the the good fun stuff online. Thank you. And I love your mission and I want everyone to jump on and download, load that app and help you reach your 1% goal every single year. Thank you, Maggie Palmer. It's been a joy. (laughs) Likewise. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining me today to strengthen your voice. You want to be heard and you deserve to be heard. We're here to make sure that the woman's voice is heard. I'm Lisa Lachlan Bell and together we are The Woman's Voice. Thanks to our official sponsor, The Voice Draw. For more information on your voice, go to thewomansvoice.com.au.